Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to find out about a magnificent property open to all right here in our own backyard. Stick around for a radio tour of Lackawack Sanctuary. Also on Special Edition, we'll introduce you to an author of the award-winning book Uniquely Normal and the just-published Uniquely Normal Manual. He explains how his cognitive-based approach to helping people of all ages with autism spectrum disorder is outlined in the book. February is National Children's Dental Health Month. The American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry has great tips on what you can do to help your children keep those mouth monsters away from their teeth. Starting us off today, Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky with Troop in Hazleton has all the details on an upcoming fundraiser for Special Olympics here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Trooper Petrosky will be telling us where you'll find troopers freezing for a reason next weekend and how you can help. So we're very proud to be part of the Special Olympics organization. And in the Northeast Pennsylvania area, there really hasn't been a huge amount of benefits and fundraisers going on, but they have a new director in the area. She reached out to me about a benefit that they're having. It's at Penguins hockey game on February 11th. And, you know, the Special Olympics is famous for their polar plunge benefit where they raise money for jumping in freezing cold water. And so they're going to do this. It's called freezing for a reason. And it's going to be before the game, about 4 o'clock p.m. before the hockey game on February 11th. And there's going to be a dunk tank outside. Yes, February 11th, outside, there will be a dunk tank. And who else is going to be in the dunk tank other than state police troopers from Troop N? And we are going to be in this dunk tank and people could come by and they could spend, you know, $5 a ball or three for 10 to try to dunk us in the water. And all of the money is going directly towards the Special Olympics Organization of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. Right? I mean, who who wouldn't want to take part in this? And you know what? We're proud to do it. We're going to be out there. We're volunteering to do this. We're going to be out there because, you know, we want to raise a lot of money for this for the Special Olympics. And whoever buys tickets for this game, 
some portions of those ticket sales are going to go directly towards the Special Olympics. So it's a win all around. And this really, this is, this is a great thing for us. We have our sunny day camp, which is our one day camp for individuals with special needs or disabilities. And it also includes Special Olympians in there. So, you know, this is, this is a community that we're proud to be part of. And we're very much looking forward to this. Not so much the cold water, but again, it's all, uh, it's all for a good, a good cause. Well, that was the first thing I thought of was that there is a tie in with the sunny day camp and the special Olympics. So do you see, I know I'm going to have you put on your crystal ball now, but do you see maybe (laughs) even working on other things as, as time goes on now that the two of you are kind of coming together for the first time? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, this is just the start. And we already had that discussion. There's going to be more fundraisers in the future. You know, anything we could do to help the organization of Special Olympics, specifically in our area of Northeastern Pennsylvania, we're all about it. And, you know, I sent an email out to uh, troopers in Troop N about volunteering for this. And, you know, it's February. It's going to be outside, cold, freezing water. And I got a ton of troopers who volunteered for this. So, you know, this has a special place in our heart. We're huge fans of our sunny day camp. We love it. We've grown to become friends with the campers and their families that come to our camp every year. And we're happy to be able to give back to this community. Well, let's uh, once again, get all that information because I'm looking ahead a little bit and I don't know whether I trust that far ahead with the forecast, but let's (laughs) see, Saturday, February 11th, we've got a uh, high of 37 and it looks like there could be some snow. Well, wouldn't that just be perfect? Yes. You know, so everybody come on out February 11th, buy tickets, help support the Special Olympics and get there around four o'clock before the game. We're going to be outside the main entrance to the to the arena there. Troopers are going to be in the dunk tank raising money for the Special Olympics. Come on out, have some fun and then enjoy the game afterwards. Where do we get tickets to uh, to throw the uh, the dunk balls? They are going to be right outside the main entrance to the arena. You could buy tickets right there. They'll be selling in the Special Olympics and uh, we'll be the one sitting in the dunk tank, smiling and, uh, you know, showing a good face, knowing that it's for a good cause. So in other words, we don't have to worry about getting those in advance. We, You're going to have no. plenty of them to, to pass around. Big. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of them because, you know, we think there might be a lot of people partaking in this and that's why we're doing it. And can you can you ask for a specific trooper? Uh, no, oh. <laughs> no, because I know what you would do, Paula. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Shh, we didn't tell. I, I, I promise I won't use that on the air. Uh-huh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Wrap it up, Trooper Petrosky. The when, the where, the why, the how, the who. All right. Saturday, February 11th at the arena in Wilkes-Barre. It's a Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins game. Four o'clock, troopers are going to be in a dunk tank outside the main entrance of the arena. All the money's going towards Special Olympics Northeastern Pennsylvania. Buy tickets to the game. They're going to get a portion of that ticket amount also. Come out, support it, have a good time at the hockey game. Thanks once again to Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky, Troop in Hazleton. And again, that fundraiser for Special Olympics coming up before the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins game, Saturday, February 11th, 4 p.m. at Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkes-Barre Township. It's February, and that is National Children's Dental Health Month. Dr. Amir Morsi is the president of the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry. He joins us with tips on what you can do to help your children keep those mouth monsters away from their teeth. 
the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry recommends that all children be seen by a dentist by their first birthday, uh, which to many parents seems like awfully young. Um, but it's really critical to kind of get that early start. Um, first, identify any problems as early as possible and, and avoid them kind of getting any larger. But also really kind of talk to parents about what they need to know about diet, brushing, fluoride, uh, all those things you need to know to prevent cavities in your children. So let's start with all of those different things. When we're talking about brushing, are we actually seeing teeth if we start somebody off going to the dentist at one? Yeah, you know, the first baby teeth typically come in around age six months, uh, sometimes earlier. Our daughter, her first teeth came in at four months. Um, but that's the recommendation. As soon as those first teeth come in, take your child to the dentist, uh, but certainly no later than their first birthday. Um, and uh, yeah, parents ask, well, you know, what are you going to do with my nine-month-old in the dental office? Um, you know, we, we certainly do an exam. It's usually kind of right in the parent's lap, but we spend a lot of time talking about that. You know, what do you need to know um, about how to prevent cavities, but also things like uh, thumb habits, pacifier habits, teething, all the other things you need to know to care for your child's oral health. And what about those? Of course, when we're talking about good oral health and we're talking about good eating habits and things like that, they always kind of come along as things do. But what about the things like thumb, like the the binkies? I mean, does that is there a time when those would be more prevalent to cause a concern than others? They are an issue and they're often hard habits to break. Most children kind of go through them and just kind of stop the habit naturally. But, you know, if, if they start getting to the point where um, they're three, four years old and you can start seeing how it affects the way the teeth come together, even the shape of the jaws, um, pediatric dentists can work with parents and give them tips on how to break those habits, whether it's the pacifier or the thumb, before they do any kind of a lasting kind of impact on the teeth and jaw. Is that something that, again, if the teeth you notice are coming in and there is something that doesn't exactly look right, is it possible that they can correct themselves through the throughout the growth process of the child? Absolutely. That's And that's the good news. Usually if children stop in that age range, kind of three to four, things just self-correct. The teeth kind of go, find their natural position again. The jaws kind of adjust. Much later than that, then the likelihood of things self-correcting is less and you might end up um, needing some orthodontics or braces down the road. Uh, so uh, those are all the kind of things we discuss when we see parents, especially during that very first visit. And again, when we're talking about very young children going to the pediatric dentist for the first time, there's always that, okay, there might be a cavity. So what is the course of treatment? It, does it have, does the tooth have to be saved or is it something that, well, we'll take care of it? How, how, how would that work? Well, we, we hear that a lot. You know, they're, they're just baby teeth. They're going to fall out anyway. So if they get a cavity, um, what's the big deal? It, baby teeth are there for a reason. And uh, ideally, we sh they should be preserved as much as possible. Cavities are not inevitable. Uh, they are preventable. A lot of parents think, oh, it's just kind of a uh, rite of passage. 
ideally we prevent them from starting to begin with. That's why that um, early visit before age one, we can really start um, really good habits to prevent them from starting. Or if we notice one just kind of beginning, we now have some tools that can stop the, that cavity in its tracks um, or even sometimes reverse it. That's another important reason to kind of get in and see your pediatric dentist early. If it does actually need a filling, there's a whole host of different ways we can do it now that really um, reduce the amount of stress and re- reduce the amount of uh, pain and fear involved. Uh, certainly is not like a lot of parents remember their dental visit. Well, and that was going to be my next question, because I'm sure that part of the first visit is not only getting the child comfortable, but the parents might not be so comfortable when they're watching all this happen. So what are some of the things that have changed in pediatric dentistry? Well, and you're right. And that's something that pediatric dentists uh, get a lot of training in is, you know, also kind of managing the parents and uh, trying to kind of calm their fears and concerns. A lot of what we do now is really um, uh, customized to the family, both the parents and and the patients, um, and taking things very slowly, step by step. We make sure Everyone knows what's going on. The child uh, doesn't have any surprises. Um, we do a lot of techniques where we there's distractions. Often practices have music or videos children can watch. Um, if they're really, really anxious, there's nitrous oxide. Some of these other measures that can be used. But in most cases, children just need to have a little time to get settled in and are really comfortable. And, uh, you know, in our practice, we have children um, start crying because they don't want to leave the dental office. We we make it so fun and um, so enjoyable that um, they really enjoy their experience. Well, I think, again, that has a lot to do with starting off early for the kids as well as the parents. And when we're talking about the care at home, are there things that are that are changing there as well? Yes, and there are two really important things to focus on at home. One is diet, and it's not all about sugar and candy and cookies. Um, you don't want to overdo that, obviously, but really what I tell parents is um, the easiest way to think about it is the more time any food or drink goes in your mouth, the more cavities your child will get. Uh, and it can be nutritious things, you know, um, apples, uh, bread, milk, you should be eating all those things, but if you're constantly grazing and nibbling and sipping all day, that's really what causes cavities. So parents need to focus on limiting those snacks uh, throughout the day. Um, the other is brushing, brushing with a fluoride toothpaste. As soon as those first teeth come in, for the young kids, just a smear until, and then about age three, uh, amount of toothpaste the size of a pea, um, but twice a day, first thing is in the morning, right after breakfast, and last thing before bed, and no rinsing with water after brushing. Um, that ends up just washing off a lot of that fluoride that you spend all that time putting on. Water? Yeah. So, you know, that's something I didn't learn until I went to dental school, but um, ideally you want to brush for two minutes, spit out the excess toothpaste, and be on your way. You'll have that toothpaste taste in your mouth, but um, rinsing with water afterwards can dilute out that fluoride that's the key ingredient in toothpaste. What about fluoride mouthwash? So fluoride mouthwash um, can help. In most cases, it's not necessary. If you're brushing twice a day, 
with a fluoride toothpaste, you really shouldn't need a fluoride mouthwash, but that's something your dentist can help you with. Some kids who have high risk for cavities, either because um, of their history or the type of bacteria or saliva they have, they may need a, a prescription level fluoride toothpaste, or they may need other kinds of um, mouth rinses. Uh, another really good reason to see your pediatric dentist who can help you kind of customize your prevention plan for your child. See, we all learned something there. <laughs> I didn't know that myself. And where can people go in order to get more information besides, of course, seeing their awesome dentist? The American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry has a wonderful website, mychildrensteeth.org, which has a lot of information about everything we've talked about today. And it's also a great place to find a local pediatric dentist near you. And Dr. Morsi, I always like to say, if you have a great smile, thank your dentist. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Thank your dentist. And uh, thank you for having me on. That's Dr. Amir Morsi, American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry president, with tips on what you can do to help keep your children's mouth monsters away from their teeth. And of course, you can find out more by going to their website, mychildrensteeth.org. Don't go away. Coming up next, we're going to find out about a cognitive-based approach to helping people of all ages with autism spectrum disorder, next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Thanks for joining me. I'm Paula Dagnan. Now I'll introduce you to Robert Bernstein. He has been an educational and autism therapist for over 30 years. He's the author of the award-winning book, Uniquely Normal, and the just-published Uniquely Normal Manual. He now joins us to explain his cognitive-based approach to helping people of all ages with autism spectrum disorder. Well, I've been in the field, Paula, for, for more than 35 years as an autism therapist. But even more than that, I have an autistic brother that I, that I talk about in my book, Uniquely Normal, in a very honest way. I had to make, in my second edition, I had to cut out a couple of things because he didn't like what I said. So I grew up with an autistic brother and have an autistic son. And I, so I've been in the field basically uh, my whole life. And um, my award-winning book, Uniquely Normal, has actually won like six awards. And it's uh, Tapping the Reservoir of Normalcy uh, to Treat Autism. And, um, and the forward was written by Temple Grandin. And then the book that was just released this week is Uniquely Normal Manual, which is a companion guide to the original Uniquely Normal. I've been working with all ages, really, kids who are non-speaking to, uh, to adults who have relationship issues and, and, and many teens who have difficulties with, with themselves and, and, and others in relationships and dealing with school and their lives. So I've just been in this field a long time. Because of the fact that you do have a different perspective, maybe that's a place to start because since you said you have a son and your brother, you've been dealing with this before things were known today about autism that so many people consider the latest information. So you've seen how things changed. You're right. My method has always been going back to the John Dewey days of the 1930s in terms of 
understanding the child through his or her or their experience. And when I, when I think about my approach, I'm thinking about how I'm focusing. I'm not focusing on the behaviors of the child. And that's kind of where the trend of, of education has been. Behavioral behaviors change the behavior. And I'm not trying to change the kid's behavior. I'm trying to change the way the kids are in, uh, in, in terms of their authentic selves. So look, look at it this way. If you, if you are, and I'm not saying that method doesn't work, changing the behavior, but then you have kids who act because why? They want to please you, or maybe even out of fear, or it's called masking, that they're, they're not really being their authentic selves. So what I want to do in my method and what's in my, both of my books is create a space for kids that are, that you're engaged with the kid, that the kid's interested in something, taking their, their kind of natural way of being and accepting that, having the safe space of, of engagement and joining. And from there, do the change or incorporate the change and have the kid change and, and kind of get better, elicit language or have the kid change the way their, their, their mind works or their thinking pattern is. So that's how my approach really differs from what's out there now. When you're talking about this, you're mentioning children. Is this something that would also work for because sometimes people don't realize or don't know that they have autism until they are older? You're right, especially with, with women and girls, because girls learn the proper thing to do. And that's what I'm calling masking. They learn what to do, but they're not expressing who they really are. And they, they get by the system, especially if they not uh, don't have a behavior problem. They get through the system. And then, and I've been interviewing many young adults, and then they find themselves really at a loss. And there's a correspondence with, with women who kind of mask is, you know, it's one of the words that they call it. Camouflage is another word. Um, and there's an association between that and actually suicidal ideation. So it really becomes something that may be invisible for the elementary school years, but to this child growing up, it's traumatic. And that's not an understatement. So what I'm trying to do is give the child his or her or their space in my book, I'm saying 15 minutes a day. I know you have, kids have to do, do, do. They have to brush their teeth. You know, I, I don't have anything. I don't have a problem with that. But what I'm saying is for 15 minutes a day, have no agenda. Have no, you know, so-called curriculum. Just engage and enjoy and enjoy your child and start there. And is this the Bernstein Cognitive Method for Autism, <laughs> BCMA, that we're talking about? I've been doing this for a long time, 10 years ago, maybe less, maybe eight years ago. Uh, Dr. Ram Kyram, who's a pediatric neurologist at Columbia, said, hey, you know, what you're doing is you should call it the Bernstein Method. And I go, wait, come on. So now it took all this time until last week to actually put in print that it's the Bernstein Cognitive Method for Autism. So it's official. It's official that it's actually, yes, I've actually taken ownership of this method that is similar to many others, but there's some difference there that I can put my name on it. Well, congratulations. I think that's great. <laughs> that seems to me what you're talking about is it doesn't always have to follow in the 
prescribed way that things are supposed to go. And what you're finding then is that it's working. Yes. And that my first book, actually, Uniquely Normal, cites 27 case studies. And I give you detailed accounts. I mean, like 30, 40 pages on one kid of exactly what I do and how I do magic. I don't know what you want to call it, but my methodology in terms of getting kids to talk or relate or from two to 62, it does work. But it makes sense that it works because this this approach is not driven by a treat. It's not driven by a reward. It's driven by getting the kid to change from within themselves. And when that happens, it's more of a, a, a kind of a permanent change. It's changing in a sense. I had one kid say, I know what you're doing. You're changing my personality. And I go, wow, in a way, yeah. I mean, he was, he was a teenager and he was angry at me by saying it. And I said, well, in, in sort of a way, yeah, I am because I'm changing the way you are in some fundamental way, but it's the way that you want to be. The kid does want to have friends and, and he wants to be successful. And I'm changing, yeah, it is something really internal, some kind of internal, authentic change using the authentic person. So what would be an example if we have parents caregivers, family members who are listening. I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm just not quite getting how I put that into practice. Would you have an example? Yeah, I have about 200 of them in my mind. Uh, No, no, I I, I flash through clients. I'm going to give you an example, an example that's, I have examples in my book, Uniquely Normal Manual, that give you step by step by step. But let me give let me give you another example to answer your question. You're engaging with the kid. Let's say the kid wants you to run, run around the track or whatever, right? So you're you're engaging, you're joining the kid. You're doing it together. You're being kind of the impetus for this potential change. You're joining the kid. There's a bonding. There's an engagement. There's no agenda. The kid is leading you, right? In fact, the mantra of the of the book, the first line of my book is let the child lead, and when they do, be ready to follow. I'm letting the child lead. I don't have any agenda. Good. You're running with the kid. Then you want to affect some kind of change, something something in a kind of a natural way. So you're tired, and you kind of start, oh, I can't run anymore. Now, look, let's see what happens. You know, no expectations here. The kid could just keep running and totally ignore you. There are no expectations for your child. You're just giving the child an opportunity to react, to do something. But maybe the child says, oh, yeah, dad, you're tired. Oh, let's walk back. Whoa, now he's empathetic. Now he cares about you. That could be amazing for some of our kids. And there might be kids say, come on, dad, you can do it. You know, at least he's recognizing you again, but he's keeping to his running agenda and yeah so what i'm saying is it's a simple example how you're you're engaging the kid you're letting the child lead and then when they do be ready to follow and engage and think of the kind of change you may want that child to have within themselves and giving them the opportunity look maybe it sounds complicated the way i'm saying it's really simple (laughs) that's why this approach works because it's incredibly simple you don't need any special materials or anything because you're following what the child is doing. But there's a real methodical way in your mind, and that's where the Bernstein method comes in. It really is it is a way of thinking in your mind to affect change. So even when the child reacts, whether it's 
okay, let's walk back or, oh, come on, let's keep going. You also have to continue the, I don't have an agenda here. And if the child says, let's go, you keep going? I love that because now the child engaged and you're right, you continue with the method. And if the child says, hey, let's go, and that makes sense to you, that like, wow, he's, he's recognizing my existence. <laughs> and I parents with autistic kids would understand like, hey, that's pretty good. And he's saying, let's go, let's keep going. You're going, hey, all right, I'm going to keep going. I have nothing against the reward system. You might say, yes, I'm rewarding that behavior, but it's rewarding that behavior in like real time and in a very natural way. So yes, if that's a good thing, I'm going immediately. I'm not waiting. And, and you know, even a second. You say, let's keep going. I am going. And then you see what, and this is an interesting question. Then you say, wow, he did that really perfectly. In fact, he did that so well, I don't think he really learned anything because he just did it so easily. He wasn't even thinking. So now you go to the next step. Then you go to the next step. Uh, See if the kid maybe can anticipate something on, on the path. Let's say there's a puddle coming up and you don't want the kid to go into the puddle. How many parents say, oh, I know this kid is going to go right into that puddle. I have to take his hand. Before you know, and get and say, wait, wait a second. I, I want the kid to be aware of the puddle, like I'm aware of the puddle. So maybe I need to tell the kid before, hey, there's a puddle up ahead, and then let's see if that's enough for the kid to avoid the puddle. In other words, let's continue with the therapy. Paul, I'm going to interrupt myself to say something really important. When a kid does something great, like just what you said, hey, dad, let's go. What I don't do is applaud. Good job. No, no, no. I continue. The kid has a positive, healthy, productive mindset. I want to continue that mindset and go forward. And that's why I gave you this puddle example. I don't want to say good job and re- what are you reinforcing? It, it makes no sense to to applaud. And, you know, you want to continue that mindset and go on to the next step. Because then it's almost like you're done. Going home. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. (laughs) You know, you're right. You know, I was on radio once and I gave the example of, you know, you're walking along, the kid drops his hat, someone picks up his hat, gives it to the kid. And the mother says, say thank you. And the kid says, thank you. It's just what you said, Paula. That's a language closer. First of all, the kid may not even be aware of what happened. And the kid's just imitating what the mother tells them to say. So where is the learning? Where's the awareness? In the mother's mind, you want the kid to say, oh, thank you because you helped me. But that's not in the kid's mind. <laughs> the kid isn't thinking, oh, yeah, thank you because you, thank you, guy, because you helped me you know, pick up the hat and give it to me. It's a, it's a closer. We want to be careful not to have these closing, you know, we want things to be open. And you, you're so, you're very perceptive. It is giving that reinforcement just trips the learning process down from the kid's point of view. And I give the thank you example because that example kind of sort of rang true with a lot of listening. Yeah, we all do that and go, no, no, no. Look, I know the benefit of it, but I'm just giving you my perspective of my approach. Well, it's also a learning experience for the other side as well. Not only the child, but the caregiver, the parent, whomever it may be, because we're just used to operating a certain way and responding a certain way. Well, it sounds like you have so much information there. Rob, if you wouldn't mind, once again, uniquely normal 
And if you would give us your website and every place that this book would be available, I have a feeling that there are going to be some people who are going to be looking for it on the shelves. Well, thank you, Paula. It's the easiest way to get the book or both books because it's really a companion manual to my original Uniquely Normal and with plenty of, plenty of stories in that. So it's Uniquely Normal Manual. That's like one word, uniquelynormalmanual.com. And that's the name of the book, uniquelynormalmanual.com. It's available on Amazon. The local bookstores that I've called all have it. So you can certainly try your favorite bookstore and they don't have it. They, you know, they can order it. Do you have a um, website by any chance? My website is robertjbernstein.com. Thanks once again to Robert Bernstein, educational and autism therapist, with his award-winning book, Uniquely Normal, and the just-published Uniquely Normal Manual. And just a reminder, you can get those books available at your favorite bookstore or online at Amazon.com. Coming up next, get ready. We're going to take a radio tour of a magnificent property right here in our own backyard. Next on Special Edition. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It may be a little on the chilly side this weekend, but next on Special Edition, we're going to take you on a tour, a radio tour, of a magnificent property open to all right here in our own backyard. Meet Craig Lukacs. He is the president of Lackawack Sanctuary. He's going to take us on the tour and tell us that they have an entire season of things planned that they hope you'll stop by and enjoy. Sure. Lackawack Sanctuary is located in southern Wayne County. I'm on the shore of Lake Wampompak. We're a 550-acre nature preserve environmental education center and research facility open to the public um, for hiking, um, public education programs, class trips for schools. Uh, We do a lot of different things. You most certainly do. And I had the opportunity to check out the website, which is lackawack.org. And there are so many different things that are happening there. What a beautiful area it certainly is. And I know one of the things that you're particularly interested in is getting young people there. How are you going about doing that? One of the things that we like to do is reach out to the schools and um, do some in-classroom programs. But our goal is really to get local students here from their school districts, because a lot of students these days really do not have a good connection with nature. Um, When I grew up, 
you know, I spent most of my day outside playing, you know, but now I think kids, you know, with TV screens and computers and phones, uh, there's a disconnect. And so our goal is for kids to get to LACWAC to learn about uh, nature and the environment, how to protect the environment. Um, we do it in a couple ways. We, we have field trips for K-12 to, K to students in local schools. We also run summer camps throughout the year. And then we're open year-round for anyone to come with their family to join us for one of our programs that we offer throughout the year. When it comes to all the different programs, I know that you were recently given a $5,000 grant that is administered through the Scranton Area Community Foundation. And that grant is going to be going toward, again, that age group that you mentioned, the third through 12th graders. And how is that going to work, Craig? Basically, it's for school districts, public schools, private schools, um, who want to further their curriculum to allow students to become conservation leaders. So to, to learn more about the environment, but also to learn how to protect the environment. Um, it's basically a conservation core program where students are learning how to protect the environment by becoming advocates for um, environmental issues. So working on projects, you know, talking to their family members, that kind of stuff. So it's not only just the hands-on connection field experience, but it's what do you do after that field experience? How do you connect your your trip to Aquac with the rest of your daily life. And how would someone find out about that for their children? We can do it a couple of ways. We people can go into our website and look at the programs that we offer. They can also contact us or email us at LACWAC. All of our information is on our website, follow us on social media. Anyway, most of the emails come to us and you know my, my staff or myself would answer them. Um, we have a director of education who basically oversees all the programs. So if there's a teacher that's interested or a homeschool group that's interested in doing a program here, an education program, a field trip, they would reach out to our director of education. Otherwise, they can reach out to myself and I can direct them on to the staff that's appropriate. You know, like I said, we, we kind of keep our website pretty much updated in our social media, what's going on at LACWAC, so people will always be in the loop. Well, I know that because in looking at the website, I saw that you also take Christmas trees to recycle. Yes, there's a lot of recycling programs that are out there for Christmas trees. Some of them are used for nature along the trails for, you know, we also use them to uh, kind of uh, chop up to use as bed for trails. Um, and then I know other places like animal sanctuaries, we're not an animal sanctuary, but places like inter- interloc animal sanctuary and stuff like that, a lot of those businesses and nonprofits use it for the animals as well too. You know, we, we like to see people send, send them off to the landfill to recycle them. Exactly, and what a great program is that. Can you give us some of the background? Where did Lackawack Sanctuary come from? Oh, well, Lackawack, so we've been around more than 50 plus years since 1966 as a nonprofit, but the land itself goes, traces all the way back to the William Penn family when they had this land in Pennsylvania, and we can trace it all the way through the Native Americans that were here, the Lenape Native Americans have access to this this property, but the um, property itself was built up in 1903 as a summer home for the Connell family of Scranton. Um, it was eventually sold to the Watchers family of Scranton, who in turn, you know, became very strong advocates for conservation and protecting the environment, and basically founded the nonprofit in 1966. So since the 60s, we've been doing this kind of work with research on the environment and educating the public. 
Well, I also want to move away from the kiddos just for a little bit because I know that's one of your big areas, but you mentioned trails and I'm a big walk the trails fan, love to do it. Tell us about that. I don't know if everybody realizes that the public can go there. Right, right. Yeah, one of the things we've been doing over the last couple of years is really trying to promote ourselves to let people know that we are one of those locations that people can come to reconnect to nature. We have over nine miles of trails. Um, some of them are throughout our forest area. Some of them go down to Lake Wampompak. Some of them go to our own lake, which we call Lake Lackwack. So they're basically from easy to advanced. So anyone's welcome. The public is uh, welcome to come. We're open sunrise to sunset. People just pull up, park at a visitor center, sign in. I'm at a visitor center, grab a brochure, which has all the trails listed, and off they go. Um, we have picnic tables for people to have a lunch if they would like to, a snack. We basically want people to reconnect to nature. We do a great job of getting people who are visiting the area along the Lake Wampompec area, but we really want people who are local to make that trip to Lackwack as well because it's a great location. It's a beautiful piece of property. And I have to ask, are puppies allowed? Of course, we do allow dogs. Um, we do ask that everyone do have their dogs leashed, but um, they are certainly welcome here. Excellent. Well, then we have a new place to walk because that's one of our favorite things to do is go out and find new places. And it's not right. it's not only the trails that you have, but you also, and you're talking about bringing people in, you have some great programs that are going on too or have gone on, and I'm sure you sure. have more for this year. Sure. We are actually in the planning stages right now, my education staff of establishing the calendar of events for this coming year. We do some big events from our Farm to the Plate dinner, and we have a, an 8K trail run and walk um, in the fall. But then we have the, the programs that are open to the public where we just do guided hikes, whether they would be down one of our trails or doing a night hike, a full moon hike. We do some paddles on our lake because most people are not allowed on. Actually, our lake is a restricted Lake for research, so it's a special privilege for somebody to go out onto our lake. We do bring you know other presenters in who have expertise in uh, raptors such as eagles. Um, we do mushroom hikes, you know, forging the forest for like what individuals can actually eat off the forest floor, you know, in terms of natural plants and stuff like that. So we do a wide, wide perspective of programs throughout the year. Usually, we try to do two or three programs per month. They rotate sometimes on the weekend, sometimes weekdays, so that we can gather, you know, uh, people who may have work schedules and stuff like that, you know, at different times of the year. So, but those programs will all be coming out soon. We'll be listed on our website soon. I know my staff is in the process of finalizing that for the final year. It's hard to do programs now this time of year because it's the winter and, you know, the weather's still unpredictable. But as soon as you start getting some nice, Nice days in the spring is when we really launch our major uh, programs for the public. Well, I see you've already got something coming up in June, and the title is very interesting, Cocktails for Conservation. That's correct, yeah. So it's, it's a great little event that we started a couple of years ago for people to come to LACWAC. One of the goals that we always had was, you know, we want people to come to LACWAC. So we figured instead of doing, say, a fundraising event at some local restaurant or or some local venue, we we thought we have the perfect spot for it. So we want people to come to us. Uh, it's basically a very casual evening where people can come have a drink with us, some hors d'oeuvres um, outside in nature and get to know a little bit about our mission and work and to support a good cause, which is to preserve this beautiful piece of property. 
Well, there are certainly, and there are others that are happening as well. And you mentioned the uh, Lake to Lake 8K trail run, and I love the fact that there that it's a dog wag as well, and that's coming up so people can even plan already for October. That's correct, yes. We have those dates listed already for a uh, year in the sense of like, you know, our Farm to Plate in August, the uh, Lake to Lake event in October. Um, it's a great event because people who are runners, it's a, it's a bit of a challenging course, but um, it's a fun run um, between our two lakes that we that we're situated on. Um, and then for people who are walkers, it's a great time out in the morning to bring your dog um, and just the com- camaraderie of everyone getting together on a Sunday morning. And now, just when you think that you can't come up with anything else, Craig, you have a registered historic landmark on property that people can stay in. We call it the Watchers Lodge, but it was built in 1903. As a summer home, like as I mentioned, for the Connell family of Scranton, we use the building for retreats, for just a group of people who want to get together. We do weddings here as well. All proceeds of the of the funds that come in from those stays and those events keep the historic buildings going. So um, it's a beautiful facility. Um, it originally had the main house, an ice house, and the carriage house for the horses and carriages. So it was really a functioning estate. Family would come up you know, from Scranton and spend the summer here. They would have access to the lake, they would fish, they would swim, boat. And now we care for that. It's on the National Registry of Historic Places, as well as those buildings, but also our lake is a, a natural, national natural landmark as well, too. So we have some some designated historical marks here at Lackawai. Now, I understand, according to the website, there's a new environmental education center that's coming? That's correct. We are currently in the process of really building a new addition to our founder's home. So when our founder passed away about 10 years ago, um, the family sold us the home, which happens to be in the center of our property anyway. And so we're converting the existing structure, renovating it for purposes of environmental education for groups and students. And then we're going to be adding on the back of it. It has a great view. It, It faces a pond. It's going to be an opportunity for us to increase the number of kids attending summer camps a space for kids to come when it's a little bit not so nice weather, raining for field trips and stuff like that. And then it allows us to do programs like conferences and trainings and a whole variety of different things um, here at LACWAC. People from all over the world coming there to do research. Right, right. So one of the key things for LACWAC is that um, we've been doing research, as I mentioned, since the 60s on our glacial lake, Lake LACWAC. And um, we've been recording parameters in the lake, such as pH and temperature of the water quality of the lake for a long time. How that fits into a global network is that we compare our lake statistics to lakes across the world. We're part of um, a network of lakes, global lakes. Some of our research and some of the researchers that have worked here, their information has gone into some reports for the United Nations about climate change and how the environment is being affected around us. The reason why our lake is so special is because we control the entire watershed and we do not allow any outside watercraft or any you know boats into that lake. So we're a base lake, a base comparison lake for the lakes that are heavily used for recreation. And so if we notice changes to our lake, you know, clearly there's something going on in the environment. That's amazing. So we've covered a little bit of education, research, and now, of course, the other big 
three prong here is preservation. Yeah, part of our preservation is to obviously preserve our historic buildings and the 550 acres that we have at Lackwack, as well as working on, you know, sometimes we take easements on and donations of property from other individuals to care for. So really, we want to preserve the environment and really care for the natural resources that have been entrusted to us. You also have mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, people can come there and there is a membership. What exactly does that entail? So our membership, one is, is the financial contribution to LACWAC. So you're doing something good to support LACWAC. But there are benefits for the members who who come to LACWAC. Um, they have programs that are just tailored to our members. Um, so we just offer programs, hikes, and events just for our members. Um, there is an opportunity to use ANCA, which is the Association of Nature Centers, they have uh, a member of LACWAC can use any other nature centers across the country at a discounted rate. Um, so there are some perks to being a member of LACWAC. But I think the most important thing for our members and talking to our members is that it's making a difference in supporting the environment. You know, So it becomes also, you, know, you get some perks for it, but you also make a financial contribution. And speaking of which, you also are looking for financial contributions to help as well as volunteers. Caring for a property that's 550 acres with nine miles of trails, um, there's a lot of work to be done. So, you know, however people want to get involved with LACWAC, which is either giving us a financial contribution each year, um, becoming a member, or even becoming a volunteer and getting your hands dirty a little bit. Um, We do volunteer days throughout the course of the year where we mark our trails, clean up our trails. You know, we have our buildings that have to be taken care of. Um, We get involved with different civic organizations like Rotary Clubs and, you know, uh, scout programs. Um, So anybody who wants to work out outdoors, you know, make a difference, we'll work with them. Well, Craig, you have just opened up a brand new door for many people, myself included, because they really need to go to lackawack.org and take a look and see everything that you offer. Is there anything that we have missed or anything that you would like to make sure that our listeners know about Lackawack? We just like to tell people just to take that adventure, spend a day, you know, take that road trip to Lackawack and just come experience Black, whack, and nature. Um, so all we want is people just to see our property and uh, come visit us. That's Craig Lukacs, president of Lackawack Sanctuary. And of course, you can find out more by visiting their website, lackawack.org. That's L-A-C-A-W-A-C dot O-R-G. I'm Paula Degnan. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 